In life, there is no designated beginning of a storm season and no designated end. If there were, some of us would probably say, okay, storm season starts today for me. I'm not getting out of bed until it's over. (laughs) Somebody get me the phone number for Uber Eats. They can deliver. You know, I'm going to weather this in my bedroom. You don't get a notification. I want to read from a passage of scripture in the Bible about a storm the apostle Paul was in. In Acts chapter 27, verse 21 beginning, and there will be a number of passages I'll read, so be a little bit more patient with me today. If you would like to, and you go back and you read this whole chapter, it is extraordinary what occurred in this chapter. I can't even deal with all of it. There's not enough time. But in the violence of a storm, they had begun to fast. Everybody on board the ship had been fasting. They were scared to death. The apostle Paul was a prisoner on that ship. He was on his way to Rome. God had been using him in extraordinary revival. And then boom, just like that, everything flipped around. He's arrested. We'll get into that. And he's being now sent to Rome to be tried before Caesar. And so after a long while, the Bible said abstinence from food. Then Paul stood in the midst of them and said, men, you should have listened to me. And that was because before the ship ever sailed, Paul was in prayer and felt like God told him. This ship is getting ready to enter into a storm and it's going to be catastrophic in terms of the loss of value and goods and property. He said, you should have listened. And not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss. The centurion chose to believe the owner of the ship rather than what God had shown Paul in prayer. And Paul says, and now I urge you to take heart. For there will be no loss of life among you. Paul, the intercessor, had gone to work and prayed until there was a promise from God that every person on that ship was going to survive. He said, only the ship is going to be destroyed. For there stood by me this night an angel of God, the God whom I serve and belong to. And he said to me, do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. You see that? God granted them to you. Paul had been in intercession for them. Therefore, take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as he told me. Verse 39, when it was day and they had gone on in this storm and it had raged and, and the storm was called Eurachlidon, which means a violent tempest. It was just... It actually, it means violent agitation. It was just churning like a cauldron. So when the sun came up, I guess not the sun, when the day rose would be a better way to express it. When the day came, they did not recognize the island. They, there was a strip of land in the distance. But they observed that it had a bay with a beach onto which they planned to run the ship if possible. And they let go the anchors and left them in the sea Meanwhile, loosing the rudder ropes and they hoisted the mainsail to the wind and made for shore. But striking a place where two seas met. 
They ran the ship aground. You preach a whole message just from that. And the prow stuck fast and remained immovable, but the stern was being broken up by the violence of the waves. And the soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners. Paul was a prisoner, remember? Lest any of them should slip, swim away and escape. But the centurion, the Roman soldier, designated, he was an officer that was in charge of this trip, wanting to save Paul, kept them from their purpose and commanded that those who could swim should jump overboard first and get to land. And the rest, this is to me one of the most solemn passages in the Bible. And the rest, some on boards and some on parts of the ship. Well, just make it any way you can. And so it was that they all escaped safely to land. Thank God for that. God kept his word to Paul. I really feel to talk about this today. And it may be many somebodies or it could be someone in particular who is here that needs to receive this word from God. But my message title today is surviving the storm meant to destroy your purpose. God, I ask that you would please speak to us. And again, as we ask week after week, do so in that unique and amazing way that you have that causes your word, which is already alive, to become alive to us in our hearts. And help us to draw from your word principles that will guide us, be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, for we do seek you. And whoever may be in a storm or maybe getting ready to enter one or has just come out of one, Lord, the words that we're about to deliver, the message we wish to communicate is a message of hope and confidence in your unshakable faithfulness. You've never once let us down. You never will. And for that, I give you glory. And we ask all of this in your honor in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Surviving the storm meant to destroy your purpose. Paul was at the pinnacle, it seemed, of ministry success. God was using him everywhere. Man, he was blowing up cities with revival. So much so that they actually began to say, the guy that turned the world upside down is coming here to preach. Well, Paul didn't really turn the world upside down. The devil did that at the garden, right? But Paul was a part of trying to turn it right side up again. The Apostle Paul is one of the, I think, greatest figures of New Testament history, indeed, of the Bible. He wrote 13 of the 27 books of our New Testament, if not 14. Some argue that he wrote Hebrews, maybe. And uh, he was greatly, greatly anointed by God. And his ministry was designed to impact both Jewish people and people that were not raised in the Jewish faith. His impact upon Christianity is undeniable. And when he went to Rome, it actually shifted things into another level for him. That is, Rome became the center focal point from which spread revival all over the then known world. But you see, to get to Rome required that Paul travel by ship. 
and the circumstances that that are responsible for getting him to Rome is what I want to look at right now. Because the enemy tried really hard to make sure that ship didn't make it. And in fact, the boat didn't, but Paul still did. It seems that the enemy was able to understand that, man, if Paul ever gets to Rome, it's going to be painful for me and my kingdom. And let me explain. As I said, Paul had been shaking up the cities of Asia Minor, and he goes to Jerusalem. And while he's there, the enemy creates a diversion to sabotage the ministry of Paul. He is falsely accused of something he didn't do. It is reported that he took someone who was not Jewish and brought them into an area of the temple, not the outer court, but into an area where no one but Jewish people could go. And this was, believe it or not, a more serious charge than if you committed murder. Paul had committed murder before he got saved. Before he was converted on the Damascus Road, he actually did that with a blessing of the Jewish priest back in Jerusalem in an effort to stamp out Christianity. And then, wham, God converted him, knocked him off his horse on the road to Damascus. He gets gloriously saved. And as much of an enemy to the church as he had once been, he now becomes a proponent of the kingdom of God. And Paul is being used everywhere. And he's at the pinnacle of success. Everybody's talking about him. He shows up in Jerusalem, goes to the temple. And when he does, he experiences one of the worst attacks of his entire life. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever been accused of things you didn't do? Some of you say yes. Rest of you? You hadn't lived long enough if you hadn't. Because it will happen, I promise you. You ever had your good name attacked? You ever had people question your motives? People do that and it hurts, doesn't it? Everything's going really well. And suddenly, out of nowhere, you're blindsided by something That somebody just absolutely fabricated and made up. That happened to Paul. That's the world we live in. But suppose, now this is my question. Just suppose that God is about to use what you're going through right now to promote you to the highest level you have ever been in in your life. Suppose what God is actually about to do is use the attack of the enemy to be your springboard to an even greater level of success. You're under attack. You don't know where it came from. Things were going well. And then suddenly, wham, out of nowhere, things begin to fall apart. Just suppose God is about to answer the prayers that you have been praying at a level you didn't even know he could answer them at. Because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think. And suppose that that's about to happen. But right now it doesn't look like it. After the the false accusation had been raised, Paul was arrested, thrown into jail. People were literally so angry with him that they began to lie in wait for when he would go to the courtroom so they could assassinate him. A group of assassins bound together that they would not even eat another meal until Paul was dead. And so just like you might sometimes see where someone who has committed an exceptionally heinous crime 
is going from the the <clears throat> police officer or the, I guess the sheriff's van to the courtroom and they got this phalanx of bodyguards and, and officers around them because they don't know somebody may come up and, and try to mete out their own brand of justice right there. The apostle Paul was facing execution at the hands of his own countrymen. And so when it was found out, they canceled the trial. Paul was kept in jail for two more years and then put on a ship to be sent to Rome. He was kept in Rome in in confinement for two years after that. So we're talking about approaching five years from the time this happened. Paul is being confined and he goes from way up here to revival and casting out demonic spirits and people being saved and baptisms and whole cities being converted. And then boom, just like that, it's over. It looks like. He's put on a ship, and I'm not talking about the Royal Caribbean either. I'm not talking about a first-class cabin with an endless buffet. No, he's put in the bottom of a smelly, stinky cargo ship, but he's in bonds and in chains. And here's what I want you to know. I want you to realize this. That God was in Paul going to Rome. And when God is in something, nothing the devil does can stop it from happening if we will not allow it to. Somebody ought to give God some praise. I know you're going through some stuff. Because I'm here to talk to somebody. I feel it on the inside. I know you've been through some things, but I just want to let you know up front, there's never been a devil created that could stop God from doing what God sets about to do in your life. If you will walk it out. Amen. God was in Paul going to Rome. And I love this. I love how God uses the very things that the enemy has intended to destroy us, to become the means of our promotion and elevation. Amen. The devil says, I'm going to use this to destroy somebody. God said, oh, really? Yeah, see that cross? That doesn't remind you anything? You thought you would kill me with it. Look what it's done to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I love that God gives Goliath's sword to David to cut off Goliath's head. You know, you get... The enemy gets destroyed by his own weapons. And I love how God does that. And it's more than a trite expression. And I need to say this. Your test really will produce your testimony if you'll just keep walking it out. Hallelujah. Your pain will become power if you will trust God. That's a reality. It's a promise of God. When you survive what you shouldn't, what you were not supposed to survive, the devil becomes terrified of you. He pulls out everything he can, throws his best against you, and you just keep right on going. He don't know what to do next. Amen. And I'll tell you what happens as a result of what you've been through. You become equipped to help somebody else go through that too. Because the principle is... By his stripes, 
we are healed. Where you have been wounded and recover, you have authority to bring healing to somebody else. I'm talking to somebody right now. You're going through hell on earth, but it's going to be the way that God uses you to help somebody at the next level. Amen. And I love that God does that. Love how he does that. It really is true. When your marriage has been on the rocks and in divorce courts and God saves it, you have an ability, an anointing, and an authority to help other people in marriage situations that you didn't have before and that people who haven't walked through things like that don't have. They know about theory, but you know about practice. Amen. When God leads you through something, you can lead somebody else through that same thing. That's why God chose Moses. Moses had lived for 40 years in the wilderness. God said, I got a job for you. Go back to Egypt and lead my people out because you know this wilderness so well. And when you've been in the wilderness, it enables you to help somebody else navigate through the wilderness they've never faced before. I really am preaching to somebody. There is a purpose in your pain. You've got an assignment on your life. God was sending Paul to Rome. The authorities ended up that that's where Paul's case should be tried before Caesar. And of course, Rome was a despotic city. It was an immoral city. It was a wicked city filled with idolatry and everything in the world that was wrong. Kind of like our culture today. And I'm sure that if given like the old saying goes, his own preferences, the apostle Paul would have chosen. I think I'll take a pass on the Rome thing. But that was God's assignment for him. And I, I, I kind of can see that he might not have preferred to face Nero Caesar. Because after all, Caesar was, we're told, not only insane, he was extremely evil. And before it's all done with, he ends up taking Paul's life after Paul is set free from that imprisonment. But then five years later is arrested and brought before him again. But here's what you need to know. The devil can't take you out. Until your time is over and your assignment is finished. No, I I need to back up. Uh, Some people are terrified. They live in fear, depression. But the enemy can't take you out until your time is over. And that is not until your assignment is complete. If you will walk it out, you can look at the devil and say, can't touch this. Amen. God had appointed Paul to preach in Rome. And before the assignment was ended, there would be such a revival that even in Caesar's household, there would be numbers of people converted. We know that because Paul writes from Rome to the Philippian church and said, they of Caesar's household salute you. The Greek word for salute literally means send you hugs. In other words, praise the Lord. From saints in Caesar's household. That's amazing. But for a moment. Before I get into how you survive the attack against your purpose. Because like Paul. When the enemy saw that Paul was going to go to Rome. He did everything to make sure he didn't get there. And the enemy will do everything he can to make sure you don't complete your assignment either. 
But for a moment, let's ask, why Rome? Why did God have Paul go to Rome? And well, part of it is because the Roman Empire built a huge system of roads that literally stretched 250,000 miles during their, the height of the Roman Empire. You may not know that. Now, to give you an idea how far that is, that is 87 and a half times from Los Angeles to Boston. That's the network of roads they had built. That is unbelievable. Over 50,000 miles of these roads were paved with stones and many are still in use today. I've been on some of them. Some of you who have been in Europe or the Middle East may have, have seen some also. And some of them still exist today and are used. Additionally, on top of the, the system of roads, there was another reason that Paul was being sent to Rome because as the apostle to the Gentiles, if God used him and revival erupted among the Gentiles in Rome, not only did they now have a, a quick way, a rapid response system to get the gospel to any part of the Roman empire, they also had a common language that was common throughout the Roman empire that they could communicate that message in. The modern languages of French, Spanish, Italian, Portuguese, Romanian, all of those evolved from Latin, which was the language spoken in Rome. And Christianity, once Paul got there, exploded. It was like gasoline thrown on a fire. I mean, all of a sudden, Jews and Gentiles alike, pagans were getting saved. It was unbelievable. And the devil, he can't tell the future, but he knew enough about Paul to know I better not let him get near Rome. And I hope that the devil knows enough about us that once we make up our mind to yield to God, he better watch out because something, come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding. I need an amen. Well, what gets me as I read this story is that if you had been there in a corner of the temple when he was arrested, you would have thought, man, Paul was doing so well. And then suddenly he's not. He's lied about. Stories told on him that were made up. He's put in prison. People are trying to kill him. Now he's getting on a, a ship to be sent to Rome. They're a bunch of pagans. You could actually come to the wrong conclusion if you run the totals column too soon. You could think that Paul is losing. And this is the point I want to make. He was actually coming into the greatest season of his life. Who am I talking to that you think things are going down and God's looking and saying, boy, things are looking up right now. Because you can't see the next chapter, but God already knows how it's going to work out. I came to bring somebody a word from God. God is about to flip something around in your life that is going to release purpose and destiny. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Paul had been set up by God. Because God had told him earlier in his ministry, you're going to go to Rome and you're going to preach for me there. But he kind of held on to that in his heart. There are several places in scripture that talk about it. But I need for the purpose of time to dump, jump right into this because there are several things 
that we can learn that stand out in this passage that we can glean from. Number one, I need to say this, that like Paul, we each have a Rome. You've got a Rome. There's an assignment for your life. I need to back up and say that again. God has a purpose for you. It's not just Paul. It's not just a few people in a church, the, those who identify as being in ministry. There is an assignment on every individual that is in this room. You didn't come here without a purpose. Before you were born, God knew you and ordained you for the purposes for which you were created. Hallelujah to the lamb. God wasn't surprised. Oh, I didn't know you were going to be born. Hey, well, since you're here, let me figure out a job for you. No, God saw you coming from the foundation of the world. He planned for you to be here right now. Give God some praise. Hallelujah. Praise God. And Rome doesn't always mean a geographical location either. It, will be, it may be a calling that is yet to be revealed. It may be a certain level of spiritual maturity. It may be that, that what's actually your Rome is you're being called to be an intercessor and do what Paul did for those on board that ship and change the outcome of a story that left alone would have ended differently. All I know is everybody has a Rome. I have a Rome. You have a Rome. Every one of us have an assignment. The second thing that I want to point out is that the enemy sent a storm because he wanted to stop Paul's purpose. Newsflash. Since you have a purpose, the enemy will send storms to try and stop you too. Only like I said, it doesn't start June 1 and end November 30. It is subject to come at any point, at any time. But I want you to know this about it. If God said you're getting through it, it doesn't matter what you're facing. You're going to your Rome. You're going to reach your destination. That is a word for somebody in this house. The devil can't stop you. I need to say it again. The devil cannot stop you. Ah, I feel the Holy Spirit in this room. You've spent your whole life working for this moment. Everything you've walked through, all you've learned, and in everything you've had to unlearn, there has been an assignment waiting for you. All the preparation, the training, the experiences of life, those haven't been wasted. You've been through some minor storms. You've been through some rough places. You've been through some major storms. All of that is intended to show you God will not let you down. Can I borrow from the song? He won't. I said he won't. I said it again. He won't. God will not abandon you. He will never forsake you. I need somebody to give God a praise break right now. Hallelujah. That storm is meant to stop your purpose, destroy your purpose. Amen. Before you ever complete it. And every person that succeeds in their mission in life 
will go through what I'm talking about right now. Every man, every woman, if you succeed in your life's mission, you've got a storm between here and where you're going. So the big question is, where's that storm going to be? Because there are all kinds of storms. Storms in marriage, storms in finances, storms in health. Hello, anybody been through a few of those? Storms, storms, storms. All they, all that you know is they sure can shake up your world, right? Amen. Mess you up, disorient you, cause you to lose focus, lose direction. All the while, the enemy is trying to tell you, just lay down and die. I hope you've got in, inside of you something that says, not going to do that devil. I'm not giving up the fight. I'm not letting go. I'm staying on course. I'm pursuing. So how do you survive the storm meant to destroy your purpose? Number one, know that you're in God's hands and not the enemy's. You're not in the enemy's hands. Looks like it. I'm being arrested. I'm being lied about. I mean, talked. that's what Paul could have said. With us, it could be, I'm being evicted from the house. My job just shut down, you know, after all these years. And I was looking at retirement. Like one man told me in the hall after the first service, you, you've got all of those things that could be going on. It could be divorce papers. Does that mean your life is over? No, it doesn't. Rome is still waiting. God still has a plan. God still has an assignment for your life. You're in God's hands, not the devil. Number two, what we can take away from this is listen to the right voices. Paul said, you should have listened to me. But the owner of the ship persuaded the centurion not to listen. And Paul said, I'm the guy you should have listened to. I was the one praying. I was the one seeking God. I got a word from God. You ignored that for a little bit of profit. And now then you're going to lose everything. Whoa, Whoa, that's a sobering reality. You're going to lose this ship before it's all said and done, but not to, not to worry. I've interceded with God and not a soul on board this ship is going to be lost. I feel like I'm talking to a family right now. So I'm going to just go ahead and blast it out there in loving kindness. I want to say, I don't know what you're facing, but you're not going to lose your kids. In the name of Jesus, God's going to preserve your family, nobody in the ship is going to be lost. Do you hear me, devil? Some parent needs to stand up and say, the ship is not going to be responsible for taking my kids. The storm will not steal my children. Not gonna happen. Not gonna happen. God's gonna protect me. He won't leave me. He won't, he won't, he won't, he won't. He won't, he won't. But it begs the important question because it's not a trivial one. Which voices are you listening to? You don't need to listen to the wrong voices when you're in trouble. They'll encourage you to keep going in a direction that keeps you right in the middle of the storm. Uh. Don't be doing that. I used to preach for a pastor many years ago. He's going to be with the Lord, but he had a saying that I've never forgotten. He said, don't try to tell me how to run my business if you can't help me. Which voices are you listening to? Amen. 
And then I would also say this. When you're in a storm meant to stop your assignment, pray until you get a word from God. Then pray that word back to God. Paul fasted and prayed and he got a word from God and he began to pray that back and he stood up on the deck of the ship and said, guys, you may not think we are, but I've heard from God. We're going to make it. Amen. We're going to make it. So you're not in the enemy's hands. You're actually in the hands of God. You need to listen to the right voices. And then you need to pray until you get a word from God if you're in a storm and pray that word back to God. Why is that important? I'll start a series in a couple of weeks and I'll tell you why that's important. Because sometimes we speak death over our own lives. We open our mouths and we bring doom upon ourselves with what we say. Can I have a little fun with you? How you feeling? I'm trying to catch the flu. Really? Why are you trying? You get my point? It's just what we say and the way we say it. Amen. No, pray. pray. Get a word from God and pray that word back to God. And finally, stay committed to the journey. You say, did it really say that? Well, what God told Paul was, tell everybody that you have to stay with the ship. Stay committed to the journey. Don't bail out just because there's a storm. You stay committed to the journey. And God is saying, I'll get you through. Your purpose will succeed. You will achieve what I sent you into this world to do. God will get you through the storm. Do you know my observation in all these many years of working with people What my observation is as to why so many people don't succeed in storms, even though God promised them that they would, they abandon the place where God has assigned them to be. Seriously. I won't tell you, hold on to your assignment. Don't give it up. Hold on to your assignment. You'll want to keep it. Because when you're where God has placed you, the enemy can't take you out. He can try. He can threaten. He can promise. He can fume. He can do all of that. And you're still safe. Listen to this. God will get you through. How do I know that? Psalms 107, verse 28 and 29. It said about people in a storm. Then they cry out to the Lord. In their trouble. Where? What's that two little word? In their trouble. They didn't stop crying out just because trouble came. In the middle of their trouble. They cried out. And this is what the scripture says. And he brings them out. Who brings them out? God does. He brings them out of their distresses. And the next verse says, he calms the storm so that its waves are still. I want to finish today by giving somebody a promise. The peacekeeper is getting ready to show up and say, peace be still. Give God some praise. 
Our musicians, if you'll come back. Prayer counselors, if you will come, I want to pray for people. Granted, the reason we fear storms is because we know intuitively they destroy things. They destroy things. They, they bring damage. Look at what happened in Lahaina because of that hurricane. They, they say they've got a video of the wind blowing over a tree that falls against power lines. And that's what sparked that conflagration. With that horrendous loss of life. They're talking about, well, I think Southern California has already, already been declared a disaster area. This is San Diego. Maybe the best weather in the nation is where that storm is at. John Maxwell, who did our dedicatory and opening service here in this building, John Maxwell used to say, and he used to pastor in San Diego. He said, when the saints get raptured to heaven in the rapture, The saints from San Diego are going to ask if they can go home on weekends. He said, that's how good the weather is. Not anymore. Not anymore. I've been in eight hurricanes. Many of you have been maybe maybe even in more. And one typhoon way out in the western Pacific. Because I was raised in Louisiana and happened to be traveling missions way out there. And a typhoon came. But I can tell you this, man, they're they're no fun to go through. In Hurricane Audrey in 1957, many years ago, I know I'm I'm dating myself, but many years ago, we lost 34 members of our family in Hurricane Audrey. There were 529 people who were killed. Storms are destructive. And that's one reason we fear them. But I'm here today to speak a word over somebody's life. No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. No weapon. I need you to say it. If you're the one I'm talking to, no weapon. Come on, say it. No weapon. No weapon. No weapon. Did you hear that? No weapon. No weapon formed against me can prosper. It might be formed, but it won't prosper. Every head is bowed. Could I see the hands of those in this building who need God right now, who need, who don't know the Lord, who haven't given their heart to God yet or need to be renewed in their faith. Raise your hand right where you are. God bless you and 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 keep raising them. All of these many hands, God bless you. God sees them. God sees the heart behind them. I want to pray for you, Father. I pray right now that in the name of Jesus, you will move. I want to thank you for the the sacrifice of our Savior on the cross to bring salvation. And Lord, all of these many hands that were raised a moment ago are of people who are opening their heart to you right now. So we pray together, forgive us of our sins. Save us. We surrender or we recommit our lives in case we've drifted away. And we ask you to be our Lord and Savior right now in Jesus' name. And everybody shouted and said, Amen. Come on, let's have a party. Come on, let's have a party for a moment. Hallelujah. And a couple of other things real quick. 
real quickly, if you've never been baptized, make an appointment to do so. If you've never received the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that's the next step as well. Become a disciple. Uh, read the Bible. Study devotions. In fact, I write one every day, and they're going to put that up on the screen in a minute. And, and you can connect, and it'll be sent to you for free. But now, would you stand across the building, please? I really feel like God wants to minister to some people. And after we're done, I'll go out in the lobby. I always enjoy meeting people I haven't met, first-time attendees. We've got a gift for you if this is your first time to be here. We want to get to know you better. And I look forward to seeing you. But I am very much aware that based upon what I feel happening in this room, there are people that need to come forward and pray because there's a storm. If you're in a storm, come right now. Folk are already coming. God bless you. Come. Bless you. Amen. We're going to pray together. The peace speaker is going to speak to somebody's situation. Storms. You're coming through it. You're going to make it to your wrong. Your destiny is not going to be stolen from you. You're not going to lose your purpose. Come. We're going to pray. God's going to do some incredible things here this morning. Move in close because there are some other survivors behind you. There's some other people that are going to make it through this too. And they're right behind you. I want you to put your hands over your heart. And I want you first of all to make a declaration. I am not standing in my own power. Come on, let me hear you. I'm not standing in my own power. I stand in the name of the Lord. I stand by his strength, by his power. I'm going to make it through. How do I know that? Because he promised me. He promised in his word. He will never leave me nor forsake me. And I'll receive his comfort. I'm saying to depression, leave. I'm saying to fear, go away. I am free. I am unchained. My future is intact. God is going to bless my life. And everything he ever wanted to do in my life, it's going to succeed in the name of Jesus. And I lift him up and I praise him. Come on, give God some praise in this house. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.